unscripted, unbound, unconditional. Welcome to The Well Unfiltered. I'm Mindy. I'm Nicole. And we are the hosts of The Well Unfiltered podcast. Where each episode, you'll hear unscripted faith stories that will make you think. Unbound life lessons that will crack you up. I'm talking adjust your waistband laughter. But most of all, unconditional grace and love that will help you connect to God and to other women. Welcome to The Well Unfiltered. Well, welcome back to The Well Unfiltered. This week, we're going to get real about faith. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know that it might sound kind of funny to say we're getting real about faith. We're talking about faith because, you know, we're two pastors. Mm -hmm. We talk about faith a lot. We do. We do, maybe even a little, (laughs) a little much. But today's a little bit different because today we're not just talking about faith as a concept or even faith in general. Mm -hmm. Today, it gets a little bit more personal. Today, we're going to talk about deconstructing and maybe even reconstructing our faith. Mm -hmm. Today, I, Mindy, am actually going to be the guest, Mm -hmm. and Nicole is going to interview me about what this journey's been like for me. And, you know, I hope that as you listen, maybe you'll find some of your own journey, um, maybe ask some of your own questions about your faith and and what you're taking apart or rebuilding. Yeah, because we've been in this... Uh, conversation throughout this season about unfiltered, the Mm -hmm. things that maybe church spaces or church people make us feel like we need to filter. Mm -hmm. And faith that's not perfectly constructed or perfectly formed is one of those things we often don't feel super comfortable talking about. Mm -hmm. So Mindy, I'm really grateful that you're even willing to uh, let us walk through the deconstruction of your own faith. And I wonder if we could just start with defining what that is. Some of us have seen that term on social or our, we've heard some of our friends who are in the church or outside of the church talk about it. So mm-hmm. what does deconstruction mean to you? Yeah, well, I do think that deconstruction, we were talking about this, is a little bit of a buzzword yeah. in the faith community right now. A lot of people are doing it. There's a lot of podcasts talking about this concept. But right. I think for me, deconstructing my faith looked like starting to think critically and ask questions about things that I had always been told that I should just assume were true. Mm. So I think I started wondering, well, is it true? And if so, why is it true? And Mm -hmm. what if it's not? Mm. And I think when I think about deconstruction, like if I had a metaphor, I would think of a Lego tower. You know, you've got this very neat Lego tower built with your faith. And it's got all these different blocks, all these different sizes. And you start taking it apart and you start to see what each block actually looks like. It's not Mm. this this whole thing anymore, but it's lots of different parts and pieces. (laughs) But the thing with Legos, and as someone who has kids, you may have experienced this too, (laughs) is if you leave the Legos just on the floor, you're probably going to step on them and it kind of hurts. And I see what you did there, Preacher. I see that metaphor. Thank you. (laughs) Driving home, driving home. But, you know, it's, I think that's the thing with deconstruction is that it sounds, I think, kind of sexy right now, Mm -hmm. but it's painful. Mm. It's painful when you take the things that you thought were true and start to pull them apart piece by piece. Mm. And, And yet in that metaphor is a hopefulness Mm -hmm. because even as you're taking things apart, I think what scares people about the notion of deconstruction is it means that everything is thrown away. Right. And perhaps there's something that's rebuilt. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, I wonder 
when did deconstruction start for you? Was was you saw the buzzword and then you just started deconstructing <laughs> or did it happen in a different way? Yeah, I think that it happened before I knew that it happened, before I had even heard this word deconstruction. Mm. So okay. a little bit about my story is I grew up in this very conservative Lutheran community okay. and went to church and school there. There were like eight kids in my entire middle school. Mm. So I know we could, that's a whole other episode <laughs> of the world maybe. That is, or it's a Lifetime movie A perhaps. Lifetime movie, yes. <laughs> um, but I remember sitting there in confirmation class. We did confirmation in eighth grade. Okay. And we had this book and we were reading through it and my pastor was saying, you know, these are the people that go to hell. And it was a long list. Wow. A long list and a list of like people that I knew, like I knew my friends outside of that community, like went to those churches mm. and were part of that. And that just didn't sit well with me. So I sat there in eighth grade and I'm raising my hand. I'm like, I don't know that I believe that these people go to hell. And, you know, that was very well received <laughs> in that <laughs> setting in that moment. But I think for me, that was the first time I felt like, wait, you're giving me something to believe but you're not giving me a reason why. Mm. And I, I don't know what to do with that. And so I wasn't over here in eighth grade, like I'm deconstructing my faith because <laughs> I don't know what that was. You know, that I don't even know if that word was really that popular back mm -hmm. then. But I did start to feel like, ooh, maybe I don't fit in a faith community where things are just presented as absolute fact and absolute truth. And maybe mm. I want to ask some different questions. Mm. So as you ask those questions, so eighth grade, there's this, there's the genesis of this mm -hmm. deconstruction. Walk us through some other milestones in this process. Yeah. Um, I feel like the next biggest one was probably in college. So college was a really sort of tense time for me in my faith because I was very involved with a campus minister as the president of the campus of ministry. Of course you were. Of course I was. I mean, so <laughs> it's so predictable. I know. <laughs> you know, so I'm leading this ministry. I'm leading these Bible studies. I'm doing all this stuff. And meanwhile, I'm just starting to ask these questions that I feel like not that many other people around me were asking. I started like, this felt very edgy at the time, like listening to Derek Webb, which um, mm. does anyone know <laughs> Derek Webb's music anymore? I don't know. But at the time, he's like writing songs about, you know, poverty and justice in the Bible. And I'm like, no one is talking about this. Mm. I'm sitting here. I'm, you know, in church every Sunday. I'm leading Bible studies. And no one is talking about these things that once I started looking for them, I couldn't stop seeing. Mm, okay. And so that was, I think for me, you know, as I'm trying to lead, but also asking questions, that was, that was a tenuous time. Okay. And what were, so when you talk about those questions and you think about this college experience, what was one of the, or maybe a couple of the questions you were wrestling with? Yeah, I think one of the questions I had was, you know, why are we talking so much about sort of like our behavior Mm. and the do's and don'ts. And no one seems to care that there are all these people that are suffering mm. or there's all these injustices. Like wh why every time that I bring this up in this specific setting, am I, you know, labeled a liberal or, mm. you know, told that that has no place here? I, I think for me that was that was kind of like the biggest crack okay. in that structure because it felt like I think there's a part of the Bible that we're just missing. Mm. And, you know, I grew up in church. I mean, I was baptized at six weeks old in the Lutheran church and went to church forever since. And now we're here, right? Yeah. And how could I grow up 
and never hear that. Mm. I mean, that that was the thing that I think really lit that fire in me to start to ask questions yeah. and want more. Okay. So you're sitting in your classroom in eighth grade. You're raising questions. You make it to college. You're the president of this campus ministry. You're asking more questions. What is next on your journey of this deconstructing faith from there? Well, I went to seminary. Of course you did. <laughs> so I could just do that with a bunch of people, you know. But honestly, going to seminary was, I felt like, the biggest gift mm -hmm. to me in okay. that process. Okay. Um, I remember sitting in an Old Testament class, and I had this awesome Old Testament professor. He was this British man. And at one point, he was like, God does not have a plan for your life. I was like, okay, mic drop. Like, no one has ever said that before. <laughs> wow. It was shocking to me. Okay. And what was neat about seminary is I felt like I didn't always agree with everything I heard, mm -hmm. but there was space for that. Mm -hmm. There was space to, like, push beyond the limits of what I had been taught or what I believed and to start to look at it. Yeah. You know, and ask those questions and be okay with being like, Actually, I have no idea. Maybe maybe God does have a plan for my life. Maybe God doesn't. Do I have to even have that answer? So there was a lot of freedom there. Okay. So you, you're kind of dipping your toe in this freedom and space. You move on from seminary. Where else do you continue to take this journey? Mm -hmm. Well, I think now, you know, as I do ministry mm -hmm. and I journey with people, it's been really interesting to me to like have that sort of questioning lens. Like I think I'm just wired to ask a lot of questions mm -hmm. at all times. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I've become really comfortable, but I'm always really, I think, surprised and I have a lot of compassion for people who don't feel like they have that permission or they've had like some kind of trauma that they're trying to sort through. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like having gone through that journey of having to deconstruct. And then for me, reconstruction was really like a natural part of okay. my faith. That's not true for everyone yeah. who goes through that. Some people deconstruct and they leave the Legos on the floor and they close the door and they don't really, you know, want to go back to that. And you know, I think that's a, that's okay for them, but that wasn't the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. For me, I had to pull it apart and say, well, what can I build in this place? Yeah. I know I have this call to ministry. I know that I love Jesus, and I know that I want a faith that feels more authentic to how I read the Bible and how my life and my friends' lives look. Mm -hmm. And as you're doing that reconstruction, I've heard you mention two things on your journey, the Evolving Faith Conference. Mm -hmm. so I wonder where that fits in. Yeah. But also there was a church after your college experience that helped or shaped this journey as well. Share some more about that. Yeah. So I guess we can start with the, the church after my college experience. So when I went to seminary, I worked at a church in Pasadena. Okay. And it was a very educated church. Like I think at one point I heard they're like 75% of this church has a master's degree. I was like, mm. oh, okay, that's exciting. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what that did is I realized like the, the people in that church, they weren't afraid of those questions. Mm. And so I could lead this youth group and we could, you know, have these discussions. We could ask these questions and no one was like, oh, you're leading my teen astray. They were like, oh, yeah, we're talking about this stuff around the dinner table. Okay. So there was a lot of freedom in that. And it was an interesting contrast to 
the church I was at right before that in Chicago. So like I had these two really formative church experiences. Okay. In Chicago, it was amazing because it was a Puerto Rican church. Mm -hmm. I was the only white person. And I learned so much about just like racial justice and how these things that I was reading, you know, in the Bible actually like were lived out. Mm -hmm. So that was really awesome. What was a little hard about that is some of the theology it, it just didn't fit me. And so I found myself like asking those kinds of questions again, like, well, why don't you listen to secular music? You know, why don't you like Harry Potter? Why don't, you know what? I love all these things. Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. I know. And, you know, I have a ton of respect for that church and that faith tradition. But again, it was like I got to try on the shoes maybe mm-hmm. and they didn't fit. Mm-hmm. So then I, I could I could take that and then move into that next setting where there was a lot of freedom to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of live that out. Um, the Evolving Faith Conference, that was just such a gift to me. So I went to the first one that was in North Carolina, and it felt like you were just kind of like getting a hug from people mm-hmm. because people were having conversations about faith. There was room for people to, you know, be sad, to be mm-hmm. mad at the church, to be unsure about what they believed. And there was no... There was no pressure to move to the next space. Okay. It just created an environment where people's space was honored. And I think that's one thing I appreciate about this practice of deconstructing is that it it lets people be where they are. Mm -hmm. There's no prescription for what that looks like. I think Mm -hmm. it looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, as you're sharing, it reminds me of um, kind of a revision of one of the faith practices I experienced growing up. So part of why I'm interviewing Mindy uh, for our listeners is that I really did not have a faith that had to be deconstructed. Mm -hmm. I had a faith that was constantly maybe raising questions because I was raised in two denominational traditions at the same time. And one of the things, but and, and by that I mean Catholic and Methodist, and neither one of my parents was giving up spiritual territory. They were just <laughs> going to happen. But I remember hearing at a dance at our Catholic school, we had to back up and leave room for the Holy Spirit. I don't yes. know if you ever heard that oh, in yes. your Lutheran school. <laughs> but I remember then getting to seminary, and when we were in systematic theology mm-hmm. trying to basically articulate our faith in these certain terms and a professor saying that we now needed to leave room for the Holy Spirit because there were some things Mm -hmm. that were just not going to be understood in these absolute terms. And that was, that was challenging. And while I, I, while there weren't these absolutes presented to me over time, I think I expected that a growing faith would lead to absolute certainty Mm -hmm. as opposed to certainly more questions. And I wonder, what are some of the misconceptions that you've discovered about deconstructing faith? And maybe in sharing those, encouraging someone that's sitting there right now wrestling through those questions, Mm -hmm. and maybe even doubting that they're being faithful enough within that. Yeah, I think I think one of the misconceptions of deconstructing is around that idea of, well, it's not faithful or you're mm-hmm. walking away or that you even have to leave the mm-hmm. faith. Um, I think sometimes we as people, we just like create 
false dichotomies. And yeah. so it's like I either, you know, have this faith that I grew up with, it's very rigid, or I'm nothing at all. And I think there's just so much middle space that we are invited to occupy. I love what you said about leaving room for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, I think actually the Holy Spirit, we don't give them enough credit. It's true. <laughs> or enough space yeah. in our in our faith because we forget that, you know, there's this element of it that we just can't explain. Mm-hmm. We don't need to explain it. Mm-hmm. I don't need to, I think, get a handle on every piece of God. Yeah. Because God's so big. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think with deconstruction, maybe a, a misconception is, you know, I've got to sort of tear it all down to figure it out. It's like, well, you might actually end up with a lot more questions. Yeah. But what if that was okay? Mm. What if that was a good place to end up? What if we're not actually trying to find all the answers or all the, you know, solutions, but we're trying to find maybe more space? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that would be one. And just this idea that, you know, I don't think we arrive. Um, That's hard. I, I really hard. want to arrive, Mindy. I know. I know. It's like, <laughs> and I'm still not there. <laughs> it's, I think we have this, you know, idea in our mind that we just journey and journey and journey. And someday we're going to find like this lovely oasis that we just get to like sit down by the pool and mm-hmm. relax in our faith. And that sounds good. But if you really think about it, you miss so much of that adventure with God, mm. that constantly growing. And again, it's not it's not like always easy. Sometimes it's hard and painful, but I think that God like keeps inviting us to adventure mm-hmm. and to seek and to be curious and make mistakes and change our minds. Yeah. Like we, we're allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. I think in, in listening to your story, I'm also reminded that Many of us uh, who struggle with whether I can ask these questions or not mm-hmm. don't realize that we are all in some ways products of deconstructed faith. If you are especially an American Christian mm-hmm. or an American Protestant Christian, you are a product of deconstructed faith just from our church history. Right. And so I I think in in listening to you, that misconception that I've got to throw this away, people of faith have been doing this for centuries as we wrestle with not only who God is, but what's being presented in the world around us. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things that encourages me as I know that deconstruction, reconstruction is always happening is that I'm not the only one, or you may not be the only one listening, and you're not the only one that's experienced this, but that as people of faith, that's a part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder for the person that is looking at their Lego block, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, whether there was one part of your deconstructing faith that was particularly challenging or painful, mm-hmm. and what that was, and how you were able to rebuild from there. Yeah, I think one of the most painful parts for me. So, I grew up in traditions where women were not affirmed in ministry mm-hmm. at all. I mean, we could do like the little helping things or work with the children, which is great. Yeah, but those weren't the things I wanted to do. Mm. And so as I sort of deconstructed, reconstructed, and felt this very clear call to ministry, that was exciting. It was also painful. 
it was painful to sit with people, men and women, who I loved, who I had this history with, and hear that they thought that that was wrong mm. or to see them lack support or defer to the men in the room and it or to be at like gatherings and I introduced myself as a pastor to someone and she introduced me as a coordinator. Wow. Yeah. And so mm. just to see, I think, you know, feeling sure of myself, but then seeing that, oh, some people haven't made this this turn or don't mm-hmm. have this theology even as their foundation. Right. And it, and I think that's the thing about when you start to deconstruct is that you have to be careful that you don't step into this place of like judgment. Because mm. that for me, when I like have that interaction with this woman at this party, I was like, oh, well, you're narrow-minded. Like you don't get it. I'm like, no, 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 that's not fair. That's not fair. She just hasn't been on the same journey as you. Mm-hmm. So even though that's hurtful, you have to have space for people because it's what you say you believe, right? Is yeah. that we all have space. But <laughs> I, I think creating that space for people who haven't deconstructed or haven't even just asked questions, mm-hmm. that's challenging. And I think that's something that I just have to grow in day after day. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder too, you know, as you think about that painful moment, what advice you would give to people that are in the process of deconstructing their faith right now? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to them? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I would say is to find your people and to understand that not everyone can be on that journey with you. Mm. So I think that was maybe a mistake that I have made in my journey is I've just assumed like, we're talking, you want to hear about what I think about my faith? Well, (laughs) no, no, you might not, because this actually might really be scary to you. Mm. And, you know, if you're someone that's in a tradition where, you know, I'm sitting here talking about like LGBTQ inclusion, and you're like, "Uh, my pastor said gay people go to hell. Mm. Like that is jarring. And so I think you have to identify who are the actual people that you can have those conversations with. So it's healthy for you and healthy for them. And it doesn't just evolve into like arguments and stuff because it's not I don't think that's really beneficial for anyone. Right. Um, I would also say and I really promise I'm not just saying this because I am a pastor. It's really because I believe it. But if you can, I know some people have church trauma and they can't. But if you can, I really think doing this in a church community is helpful. Mm. And, and I think part of the reason it's helpful is because there is such a beauty in being able to say not every church is like that church where I felt, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, and no church community is perfect. Like they, they're all flawed and mm-hmm. messy and, and all the things. But but I think what, what makes me sad probably because of, you know, my vocation and my passion is when I hear people say, well, you know, I'm, I've deconstructed, so I can't be part of any church. Mm. And I just think like, mm, I wish that we could keep creating communities. And I also don't want all the beautiful, curious people to leave the church. Yeah. Like I want to be curious with you. Mm-hmm. And again, like I know that that's not possible for everyone. And so if that's you, if you're listening, you're like, yeah, you don't know my story. You're right. I don't know your story and I honor your story, mm-hmm. but I would say for those of us that it just feels like maybe it's a little too much work or it's inconvenient, I I don't know. I just invite us to lean in a little bit because mm-hmm. you might be surprised who you find. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as I'm listening, I'm thinking too about what I would share to someone deconstructing. I've experienced um, 
this both in my ministry, our work together here, but also in my own family. Mm. Um, as some of my siblings have even described themselves as um, spiritual, but not religious, yeah. and will lift up some of the historical atrocities. I was trying to think of a different word. That is the word that the mm -hmm. church has been a part of and, and why they can't mm -hmm. reconcile that with faith. And I think that one of the things that has been helpful for me in those conversations has been to invite people to get to know Jesus and not just the church. Yeah. That um, while I know that Jesus calls us to be in relationship with one another mm -hmm. and that part of growing our faith is growing in community. I also think that there is this tender space yeah. where you grow in your relationship with God. And that has, that has shifted the conversation, especially with one of my family members um, and not, you know, pushing it on, on her, but, Let's try to separate those two things, and then maybe that can be an invitation into a place that reflects the Jesus that you know or you've discovered through your deconstruction. And then I also, I mean, this is just a word for the wise. Do your deconstructing hard conversations not at family gatherings. Oh. <laughs> I just, I can remember. Remember, <laughs> identify the people that you yes. should have this conversation oh with. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I um, I still remember my aunt grabbing me. Um, actually, the first Thanksgiving I ever invited my, you know, future spouse to, uh, grabbing me and then bringing him into the room to sit with her husband she had a Bible in her hand. Oh, I was wow. like, so she's talking about her husband. He says that women can't go into ministry. What do you two think? <laughs> and it was, it was like, <laughs> there is nothing holy that yeah. can actually mm -hmm. come out of this. And it's interesting, as you talk about that recognition, very recently I saw them and he was asking me about ministry and asking. And so I, I think one of the things is to never assume while you're on your journey what God is doing in someone else. Because it, it may surprise you. And you talked about that judgment. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I had that in that moment. Like, okay, so you don't believe this. Um, but over time, God has been doing something that I know nothing about in the mm -hmm. same way that God has been moving in each of our lives. And that is the, that's the hope. That's the joy of a, of a faith that's evolving mm -hmm. and growing. I think as we come to a close, Mindy, you know, we talk about deconstructing faith and that may not seem like something that's joy filled or hope filled, but we end every uh, episode of the well unfiltered with this question, what is filling your well? And Share that through this lens of deconstructed faith. Yeah, I think what's filling my well with deconstructing and reconstructing is a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I just feel like I'm always starting another book. <laughs> and, I, and it's nice to read people who have gone through this mm. and, you know, can put a really helpful holy lens around it. Mm. Um, but I also think I've been doing a little bit of like 
prayer writing. Mm. And that's been really good for me, like trying okay. to take, you know, some of my thoughts, some of my angst, all the things, and just put them out into prayers. Like I think I wrote one, you know, a prayer for when everything feels like it's upside down, mm. um, when everything feels mixed up. And the reason I started doing that is because earlier this year I read this um, like collection of prayers that Sarah Bessie edited, okay. and it was very much like that. Like it was – there was no distance as you mm. read the prayers. They they kind of just like drew you in because it was very real and raw. And I thought, yeah, I mean, this is how I pray. So I need to start writing these down so I can go back to them mm. and, you know, see the things that I was processing through or or experiencing. Yeah. Well, I wonder if you might close us in a, in a prayer that um, encourages those that maybe mm-hmm. are deconstructing faith right now. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would keep us curious, keep us searching, give us peace when we don't seem to have direction as we wander. Lord, remind us that we're not really looking for a destination. We're more looking for you as a companion on wherever this journey of questioning, of taking apart, of maybe even rebuilding might take us. And God, most of all, I think I ask that we would have grace for ourselves in the places where we may find that we change our minds or we may look back and and wish that we had done things differently or, or hope for something better, and that we'd have grace for the people we encounter along the way. God, we're all at different places. We all have different stories. My story may be very familiar. It may feel very foreign. But Lord, wherever we are, help us know that that you are right there with us, that you never leave us, and that your love is just so deep. So Jesus, thank you for being our companion and for being our God. 